in a world where frauds and scams can be disguised as legitimate opportunities and anyone can be a self-proclaimed business expert. Who do you trust? Before you invest time or money, listen in to make sure your business is in the clear. Hello, everybody. This is the In the Clear podcast. And today I am your host, Tonya Don Reckla. And I'm really excited to have with us today Russell Weigel. He's a securities attorney out of Florida, also former SEC attorney. Um, and the reason why I'm so excited about this is not too long ago, I got an email um, from Rus- Russell's attorney firm. And, and it was really, really cool because they had won this amazing battle, if you will, um, on a case that I think to the, the common business person, you know, your eyes might glass over and talking about things like disgorgement and, and the Supreme Court and the SEC and all this other stuff. Um, but the implications of a case like this are so powerful in business that I really wanted to bring Russell on the show and have him talk about what this means for people and their business. So we're going to be talking with Russell today about legal due diligence, know your rights. So please join me in welcoming Russell. He's also a, um, a member of the Clear Directory. Just going to mention that. So welcome, Russell, to the show. Thank you, Tonya. Glad to be uh, here. Awesome. Well, I'm, I'm really glad that you joined us because that, that message came across my desk and it was like, you know, I think that we need to do a better job of making sure that businesses know what legal decisions are being made that have huge implications for their business. Do you agree with that? Yes, yes. Um, I mean, the, to put this in context, for, for businesses that are subject to federal regulation, which could be any one of the alphabet agencies um, at, at various levels, so like the EPA, um, FTC, um, certainly the SEC, the CFTC, uh, maybe even FDIC potentially. I mean, there's, there's various um, and sundry uh, agencies that are, are basically um, structured, um, the, the backbone of, of, a, of administrative uh, agencies is they're pretty much structured the same way and they have similar statutes and regulations, although um, they're, those statutes and regulations are tailored to their specific missions, uh, so they end up looking different um, in, a, in a lot of respects. And some of the agencies have uh, uh, special powers that other ones don't. But in, in general, the, um, the federal agencies, what, when they bring enforcement actions against businesses and against business people or any anybody, uh, they typically try to um, exact a, a punitive measure uh, as well as what they would call an equitable measure and as a remedy for what they say is, you know, um, the uh, uh, appropriate response for the defendant's violations of these various federal statutes. And so the I said punitive, but the um, uh, the agencies oftentimes take back or try to take back money that they claim the defendants have earned. So it's both finding the defendant and um, and taking back the monies that they um, they earned from their activities that were supposedly in violation, 
um, uh, which, you know, probably sounds like, you know, why, why is this a big deal? I mean, that sounds like it's an appropriate thing. Um, the, the problem is, and the problem that, that we see on the defense side of the world is the, the application of what the government says is equitable. So um, we're, we're going to talk about a, a, a remedy that they typically use. Various, uh, a number of different agencies use it. It's called disgorgement. And disgorgement is kind of like restitution, except that applied by the federal government, um, you don't even have to actually have received the money to now owe money to the federal government. Well, and I want to I want to jump in before we dig too far into that because because I also want to highlight what's so what, what you know one of the things that I'm so impressed with you about is is that it's you know with your experience in government you know you you and I have very similar stories and the fact that we've seen behind the veil if you will and um, you know we we kind of chose to to use that information out in the world with um, businesses and help maybe not necessarily protect them but at least educate businesses on what aspects are, are, are maybe working um, not so much in their favor um, so that they can be better prepared. And so, you know, I really want to highlight that fact. So you came out of the SEC and, and are assisting businesses in really making sure that they're informed and they know what the risks are. And, and, and so, so I wanted to overlay that before we go into this case, because I think it flavors, um, you know, why you're so passionate about, about, about looking at getting some of these things addressed or at least highlighted. Um, is, that, is that a fair assessment for me to make? Yes. Um, I, I guess I'm, I'm, I'm passionate about it because the way I see it, when the, the government um, exceeds what I perceive to be its legitimate powers, then it's abusing its, its authority. And that just frankly makes me mad. And, uh, <laughs> you know, and I and and you know and then when I see it applied to my clients, it's my job to push back. And um, right. you know, and most often, um, defense counsel, you know, in government litigation, are not successful in uh, in uh, you know getting their clients off, if you will. Um, they um, often are able to mitigate the um, the harshness or the impact uh, or the result on their clients and that's the, the typical service they're able to, to achieve. Uh, and so in, 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 in this context, the, um, the SEC was the actor. The SEC is famous for uh, suing uh, people for the remedy of disgorgement and, uh, and has been doing it for decades and has been successful over this period of time in convincing many courts that um, despite the fact that this remedy um, may, you know, may not be based on um, the actual receipt of money that they're trying to take back from somebody, um, they've succeeded in getting courts to agree with uh, and, and write opinions and make law that, um, that become precedent that say that you know, they don't have to nail down the dollars and cents that you um, that you owe. Um, they don't necessarily have to give you credit for your legitimate business expenses incurred in raising the money or in, in earning the money. And they can just 
tag you with a, an, a, um, a rough approximation of what they allege you, you um, benefited from or uh, perhaps, uh, uh, you know, um, participated in some action in which a quantity of money was raised and now you're supposed to share in, in, the, uh, in the obligation to pay it back even though not a cent went to you. Uh, this is what kind of disgorgement has become. And uh, so, I mean, there is, of, of course, a, you know, a, a, you know a, 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 I guess an originating purpose to it, which was to make people give back money that they obtained illegally. And, you know, in concept, that's, that's fine. Um, but the government then began to say, well, you know, not only is it, um, I mean, our, our remedy is unique, uh, is, is kind of the theory. And, um, and it's not a remedy that is bound by any federal statute of limitations. So most people, uh, you know, count on, most business people, I would say, uh, count on there being some sort of statute of limitations on conduct because you have to have uh, a cutoff period uh, to claims because otherwise people could, could sue you for anything at any time in your life and there might not be the witnesses or evidence for you to rebut it um, even if you were innocent of the allegations and so the court system you know has that general uh, uh, you know, basis that at some point in time, you know, claims must be cut off. Well, and with the exception of certain things like, you know, uh, like capital murder or, you know, uh, or, uh, uh, you know, kidnapping kinds of crimes, you know, where. Right. Well, and I, I would imagine that most small businesses or business in general had no idea that this concept of disgorgement, one, that it even existed or two, that there was no recognized statute of limitations. Was that your experience? That's right. Well, so there, there are, you know, for, for the same kinds of allegations that, that private parties might bring against a business. So in this case, the SEC deals with the securities laws. So if, if there was an allegation against a company that they had committed securities fraud, there is a defined statute for private actions that, that limits, you know, when those claims um, are, uh, are viable. But the SEC um, has succeeded over the years in convincing courts that it's not um, that their disgorgement remedy is unique and is outside the federal uh, government statute of limitations, and so that there is a federal statute that says claims that involve fines, penalties, or forfeitures uh, have a five-year statute of limitations, and that's that's great. It's it's a it's a statute that, that applies across the board to many different alphabet agencies. And, uh, and that's the one that we were successful in, in um, arguing uh, in front of two courts, uh, the trial court, the federal district court in Florida, and then eventually the 11th Circuit Court of Appeals um, to get them to agree that, you know, when the SEC is doing this, they're, they're, they're actually making people forfeit money and they're forfeiting property. And uh, it's not a statutory forfeiture, but it's a kind of forfeiture that should be encompassed by this statute. And no case had ever had ever said that that um, that uh, you know that the SEC's remedy of disgorgement was was really a forfeiture. There have been a lot of cases that had argued that uh, 
it discouragement was not punitive. And then there were cases that said in certain circumstances it could be punitive. And, uh, and, and that was kind of the, the, the backdrop. And so, you know, our, our trial court agreed that what the SEC was trying to do to our clients was, um, it was a forfeiture. And so they, the judge threw the entire case out. And that was a huge win for all of the five defendants in that case, because like as I said before, uh, defense wins are relatively rare. And uh, well, and, 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 and I want to step in there, too, because you, I mean, you, you're so casual about this and very humble in the sense that, you know, you're, you're casually mentioning and, you know, we were successful in arguing this. But but this is a big freaking deal. And, you know, I think that it's worth taking a minute and saying, you know, th this has huge implications. And of course, you know, the, the legal world, the more I, you know, get involved with it or, or hear about it or learn about it, you know, it's very fluid um, in, in how things get applied. But for right now, in this moment, the fact that that happened for all the reasons that you're mentioning, you know, that defense cases are rarely won in that regard and all these other things that, that it's a big deal. And so, th so the fact that you were able to really solidly make that argument um, across the board you know, I think is worthy of a moment of, of applause, you know, and I, for one, as a business owner, appreciate the fact that you're out there doing that kind of work. But, but before we, we get too, too caught up in, in praising you, I'm going to take a quick pause here. Um, so we, you've been listening to the In the Clear podcast. We're talking with Russell Weigel about legal due diligence and making sure that you know your rights as a business owner. Um, give us a moment. We'll be right back and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll applaud Russell some more. One moment. Are you an entrepreneur who speaks at conferences? Have you attended a conference and seen someone on stage you know is guilty of bad business practices? If you want to stand out from the crowd and give your prospective clients peace of mind, then make sure your business is in the clear directory. All of our members operate in transparency and are screened annually for frauds and scams. Stand out from the crowd and get in the clear directory. Visit clearbusinessdirectory.com forward slash join to sign up today. Awesome. Thank you for coming back with us here. You're listening to the In the Clear podcast. I'm Tonya Don Reckla, and we're talking with Russell Weigel about legal due diligence. And, and, and we are really, you know, I'm kind of tongue in cheek, but we are applauding him and his efforts and his, and his firm's efforts for, for, you know, fighting for the little guy, you know, to go up against some of the government um, policies and practices and, and stuff that, like you said, it was rooted in really sound, um, you know, government kind of principles, but the application of it has, has, has implicated businesses for a while. This concept of disgorgement and, and the fact that there was no real statute limitations on that. And so, so most businesses had no idea that this was like this looming thing over them, you know, especially in the capital raising game that, um, that could come after them. And, and so I, for one, appreciate people like you who um, you know are working on behalf of, of, of your your clients and and but all of us because it does have implications. So um, let's talk a little bit about what um, you know why you think you were able to accomplish as you started to get into that right before the break. Why what was so different about your argument versus um, ones that have been made in the past? Well, um, I think it was a perfect storm in the sense. Uh, we had uh, a good set of facts for the defense. We had um, no current activity that they were alleged to have um, uh, been doing illegally. Uh, 
you know, the, all the activity had occurred more than five years before the complaint was filed. And, uh, and then we had a judge who, who was um, just uncharacteristically receptive to the argument in this case. And, um, and uh, without delving any further into that, uh, you know, he, he went with the idea that, um, I guess he, he was bothered by it because in, in, uh, in, in oral argument, he asked the SEC, so you're saying to me that if you find some case that the fact pattern is 30 years old, you can sue them for disgorgement. And they said, yes. Wow. Disgorgement is like a capital crime. And, what? And, and he said, you know, I don't think so. And, <laughs> and of course, we'd already briefed this and, and argued that, they, that what they're doing is, is, a, is a forfeiture because the, on our fact pattern, um, particularly in my client's scenario, um, he was an employee of a, of a corporation. The corporation was the one that um, um, arguably, uh, you know, received any ill-gotten gain, if there was any ill-gotten gain at all. And it was a giant number, you know, hundreds of millions that the SEC was seeking against all of the five defendants. Wow. And uh, in disgorgement. And this is for monies that they alleged that, um, uh, you know, were the, the funds generated um, or contributed by um, uh, so-called investors in a uh, in a real estate development project that uh, my clients were were involved with, and uh, and it wasn't a traditional investment in the SEC sense. It, it wasn't a capital raise to finance a business. It, it was um, people who were buying condominiums that were being marketed as investment properties and um, the SEC saying, well, that's an investment. Therefore, you know, that's, that gives us jurisdiction. And uh, what, how does this, how does this happen? So, so is that something that it gets reported to the SEC or does the SEC just go around scouring for this? Like what, what's the motivation? Uh, well, there's, there's a, um, there, there are many different motivations, but the SEC uh, does find out things on its own. Um, sometimes by reading the newspapers, sometimes, uh, uh, you know, somebody calling up and, and complaining could be a whistleblower. Uh, in this case, it was somebody who had lost money in the investment and just beat the drum on every agency that would listen uh, until um, somebody acted. And that's pretty much how it, you know, the ball got started, in the, you know, rolling in this case. But, um, you know, so the theory was flawed, and in our view, and and the judge didn't like it, and uh, and so, you know, he he went with us and and um, threw the ca the case out on the merits on the on the uh, threw it out on the um, lack of merit on on the theory of disgorgement, and uh, so the SEC didn't like that, you know, and they end up appealing the the decision, and they could have just left it you know, let it lie there and be like a lone district court opinion out there in Southern Florida that uh, other courts could ignore, but they chose to appeal it. And the, unfortunately for them, the, um, the panel from the 11th circuit court of appeals in a three nothing decision said that um, the judge was right. And now that, that disgorgement opinion became the law of the entire Southeast. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, 
the SEC um, strategically decided not to appeal that to the Supreme Court, but um, you know they're bringing cases in other districts all the time, and and they they succeeded in bringing a disgorgement claim against another fellow who uh, uh, lost at trial, and he appealed his his result to his circuit court, and the circuit court and and, and his argument to his circuit court was, look what they did in the Eleventh Circuit; they should use yep. the same thing, and that court said no. Uh, we're going to follow the the regular, you know, um, uh, group of decisions that have other other circuits have have uh, uh, issued, and and they denied him. So mm-hmm. he appealed that to the Supreme Court and cited, you know, a conflict between our case and his case, and the Supreme Court accepted cert, uh, certiorari in that, and. Uh, um, I, I believe it was one of the first cases that the new justice uh, heard argument on, because I think it, I think that panel, uh, the Supreme Court heard argument two days after he started on the bench, and he, I understand, was an active participant in uh, interrogating counsel, you know, about the theories, and uh, so the Supreme Court then came out and said. Um, you know, they, they they made up their own opinion, shall we say, and and uh, and they they came out saying that that disgorgement um, is a penalty; it's punitive, and uh, and it's subject to the five-year statute of limitations, which now it's the law of the land. So it, it's huge. And no, that's giant, and and it's that's what I was saying before. It's like it's like your your demeanor is always so calm, but that that's a really big deal, and it had such far-reaching implications. Um, and, and I think all too often, we, those things get overlooked. Um, I know especially in business, because we're all busy kind of doing our thing, it, it's worthwhile to take a moment and look up and go, wow, you know, be, because any of us, you know, if we move into any kind of investment situation or capital raising game or anything like that, are, are subject to these situations without even knowing it. And I think that that's a big thing that fuels you and, um, you know, to, to me, it's like it's, there's all these unsung heroes out there. Um, and I get it. Like you had a client and you were doing what's good for your client. But, but look at the ripple effect. And um, particularly here at, you know, the, the, the Clear Podcast, we really like to highlight the fact that, that you know, be transparent about, about some of these things that are happening. Um, you know, there's nothing, there's nothing worse than the feeling of like eat, breathing, and sleeping and bleeding over your business venture. And then having a big government organization come in and say, Hey, guess what? Um, and, and you didn't even know, you know, and I, I get that ignorance is really not a defense, but it's, um, you know, but there's a lot of ignorance in that arena. And so, so I appreciate you shedding light on that. One thing that this, you know, just so we're clear, the, the disgorgement remedy that the government uses is not based on any, any type of, it's not necessarily based on a claim of fraud. So any of their violations, which could be just um, uh, strict liability violations, like in our in our capital raising scenario, um, you know, not having um, met an exemption from uh, registration to, to doing a an attempt to do a private securities offering um, is a strict liability kind of offense. It doesn't involve an allegation that you committed fraud. It's just a violation of law, but um, the, the remedy is the same as, as in a fraud case. 
so the disgorgement is still, you got to give back all the money that was raised or alleged to be raised in the capital raise, you know? Well, the, um, you know, the idea that you're a little bit safer now is, is what applies here because at least for those deals that happened more than five years ago, mm-hmm. um, where there was a inadvertent violation of law, at least there's, there's somewhat, there's some solace now that for, for business owners that, uh, they don't have to look over their shoulders for 30 years. So, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to add, and that's thanks to you and your firm and, um, and you're right, perfect storm and everything else, but you had to be willing to step into that storm. And so, um, you know, on behalf of the business community, I thank you. <laughs> Thanks. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I believed in this case. Um, I believed in my client and, uh, and I proud, that, <clears throat> excuse me. I'm proud to say that I, you know, represented him pro bono on appeal and, uh, and we were successful and it was just, you know, you know, a, a, a very happy occasion for everybody that, um, uh, you know, was involved and supported it. And a lot of people were praying for it. So it was mm-hmm. a, it was very a, cool. Big, a very big day here. Well, I, I, I think it's exciting and, and I'm glad that we could share that with our listeners. Um, if you know, if you're out in Florida and need some assistance, certainly, you know, connect with Russell. We'll give you some links there. Where, where can we send people? Oh, the, the website for us is uh, www.investmentattorneys.com. Investment, singular, attorneys with an EYS.com. Awesome. And, um, and Russell, let's talk a second about your book. Okay. So, Tell uh, me. um, just, I mean, you know, we're, we can help people anywhere cause we, we do, we do federal law. So it's, you know, anybody with a, with an SEC problem, particularly, uh, you know, or a capital raise concern or, um, a capital raise desire where it are free to help them anywhere they are. So that's awesome. That's but um, yes, I wrote a book called Capital for Keeps. Uh, uh, I'm actually in the process uh, this week of trying to get the, um, the, the book updated because we've had a couple of uh, significant uh, regu- regulations that have been um, uh, made effective uh, since the original version was written. And Capital for Keeps is a book that, that uh, in layman's terms is designed to sort of showcase uh, and and uh, I, I guess try to try to paint the universe of issues that uh, entrepreneurs and and executives ought to consider when they're they're contemplating a capital raise. So we want we want them to do it right. We want them to be a, aware of the risks. And uh, and capital for keeps is an attempt at at showing or shedding light on on these these types of issues. Perfect. And and as as we're very fond of saying over here, make sure that you're making informed decisions. And talking with Russell, reading the book um, is a great way to start with that. He's, he's extremely informed in it with his time as an SEC attorney. Um, that, that's a brain you want to go ahead and pick there, folks. Um, Russell, thanks so much for joining us. And thank you for all the work that you do in the world. Um, like I said, I, I, you know, I, I'm a little bit tongue in cheek, but, but I mean it from the bottom of my heart. I, I appreciate you and I appreciate what you're doing in the world. And, um, and you know, I think we would do well to recognize the folks that are, that are fighting on behalf of business. Um, so that we can create these amazing things that we see, these visions and, and, and feed our families and, you know, change the world to the degree that we feel inclined. So thank you so much. Thank you. We're all, we're all doing our part, I think, to, uh, you know, try to make our country a better place. And, 
you know, and we have to, you know, pick and choose our battles and, uh, and our issues. And, uh, you know, we each come at it from a different angle and, and uh, uh, perhaps a different motivation, but um, the end result is, is everybody benefits if we, uh, you know, can build a healthier uh, ecosystem around us. I agree completely. So thank you again for coming on the show and for everything that you do in the world. And to all of you out there, um, you know, we appreciate you listening to the In the Clear podcast. And, you know, before you get involved with somebody in your business, make sure that you're in the clear. Take care. If you or your business has been ripped off by a fraud or scam, visit InTheClearPodcast.com and let us know.